When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to A Pod Too Far, the place for people who understand that everything you need to know about life can be learned from old war movies. Now, I don't really understand how modern things like podcasting work, but if you like this show, you should subscribe to it and review it and do things like that because that somehow helps the magic to happen. So please like and subscribe and leave us a five-star review. This week, I'm in the trenches of France, trying to save the podcast from an unjust death sentence. Yes, it's 1957's Stanley Kubrick classic, Paths of Glory. And joining me in the jail cell, convicted of crimes never really explained, is a whimpering social undesirable, Duncan Weldon. Hello, Rob. Hello. Had you seen this before? I actually hadn't. I thought I had when you suggested it. Um... No, I hadn't. So I what did you think you'd see? Well, yeah. well I know, I know. I was thinking of a different First World War movie. Um, you know, so I watched it for the first time, and it's a good film. It's it's very, very much a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah, all the bits are there, including probably I think the first Kubrick film I saw may have been um, Full Metal Jacket, just because yes. generationally that yes. was that was the one that yeah. we all wanted to see. Yeah. Um, and I've always thought he has a weird sort of sterility somehow yeah. to the way that he directs yeah. people. You just kind of feel like Stanley Kubrick wasn't completely comfortable with the humans. <laughs> um, I mean, this is why I actually I've never watched Eyes Wide Shut because I just can't imagine yeah. that. I can't imagine that I would enjoy it. But mm. yes, it, it, and that's there too. But actually that sort of works. It does. And it's, it's, it's right down to things like the use of silence. Yeah. I mean, Kubrick is tremendous at using, at just using silence, but not many directors are because, yeah, okay, okay, you, you can get away with it more in a film than, say, in a podcast. But even, even in a film, you know, people are reluctant just to have those moments of silence, which, which he uses to great effect it's here. They, they make people uncomfortable, but he yeah. doesn't mind making yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe he was just uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> he wanted other people to feel it too. Yes, yeah, so he, he makes a, a B movie called The Killing which is a, a sort of a superior heist gone wrong mm. film. And that goes sort of so well that people say, this, let's write this man a blank check. He can, yeah. not a blank check, but he can do something. A big check. Yeah. A big check. And he has read the Humphrey Cobb novel, Paths of Glory. Um, which is mid-30s? I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah. He read it as a teenager, so yeah. that would be about right. And yeah. it's been sort of on his mind. Yeah. Um, and I think it had been turned into a play, not terribly, it's sort of, it's it's one of these things yeah. that has been at this point is regarded as a classic, yes. but also not a tremendously commercial one. Yeah. And he has the idea to make it. He manages to get Kirk Douglas yeah. on board, which is the crucial thing because at that point the studio money comes in. Yeah. Um, and this, this is peak Kirk Douglas. Yeah, as well, Kirk as Douglas is fifties, a proper yeah. star yeah. at this point, and can essentially. And I mean, he of I think a third of the budget for this film is his yeah. salary. Yeah. And and it's a passion project. So yeah. he is simultaneously slumming it and taking all the money. <laughs> I mean, I, this is not one that we watched on Sunday afternoons. I'm 
absolutely mm. certain. But I think I think actually I saw it as a. Do you remember the movie drone strand that BBC Two used to have? A yes, sort of yes, yes. Ten o'clock on a Sunday night. Yeah. Well, you yeah. watched a lot of great films. Yeah. In that. I mean, this um, isn't your classic Sunday afternoon movie, it must no, be said. But it's no. um. Yeah. Although, but we'll come to this. But the tracking shot of Kirk Douglas yeah. walking through the trenches. Yes. You see that in lots of other places. That's that's the bit of this that you will have recognised, even if you hadn't seen it. Now, for those people who haven't seen it, it's the story of a French regiment uh, in 1916 during World War I, which is ordered to take a a target, and it fails, and the generals, after some negotiation, demand that three men be shot. Um, Actually, pour on courage les autres. So is this a war movie? Is this a courtroom drama? Or is this just a film about another bloody awful day in the office? It's a bit of both, isn't it? I mean, I, I think it's primarily, I think it's more a courtroom drama than a war movie. And I think the really big set pieces, the big moments in the film happen in the court martial. Yeah. I mean, there are some incredible There fighting. are some incredible, we will come to yeah. the big scene, but there are some incredible big scenes. But I think more than that, though, it's a Kubrick, you know, in, you, know you mentioned Full Metal Jacket before, which is 30 mm. years later. There are in many ways, despite the vast differences in plot, um, a lot of similarities between these films. You know, they're fundamentally about war and the military as an institution, mm. which can be a dehumanizing one, yeah. which can lead to some perverse outcomes. I mean, actually, there's a bit of that in Barry Lyndon as well. There's, you know, it's one of these threads throughout. Um, well, and and Doctor Strange Love, I yeah. found myself thinking, of, which is the third option here. And I would just like to make the case that this is fundamentally an office film. Mm-hmm. This is not an original thought of mine, but Terry Gilliam, when he was making Brazil, yeah. said the thing that was in his head was Paths of Glory because, because really it's just a film. It's a film about stupid bureaucracy. Yes, yes. And well, why are we doing that? Well, because I because 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 someone else says so, and I don't want to question him. Well, but it, yeah. but it's obviously this is obviously a stupid thing to do. Well, nevertheless, we're going to do it. Yeah, it's just you know when I've encountered that level of stupid bureaucracy in an office, it's usually been a dispute over whether you can fix the printer yourself or whether you yeah. need to call a service desk. It doesn't result in people being executed no, by firing no. squad. But 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 yes, <laughs> but yes, but it is. Yeah, and and again, there's a there's a lot of that in in Strange Love. Mm-hmm. You know the the sort of you can't fight this as a war room, but also, you know, there's just this kind of inevitability. Yes. This outcome that nobody seems to want is going to have to happen. Because that's how the institution yeah, works. And the institution that... is tooled up to do one thing, and it creates all of these perverse outcomes along the way. So the book that the film is based on is based on a true story. Do you know the story of the, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I'm sure, Suan Corporal's I think, Affair? Yeah, I think your Suan Corporal's Affair is a better pronunciation than um, I would have gone for. Yeah, so this is, it's actually, I think the I think the affair was 1915 rather yep. than 16. It's a very similar, very, you, know, you see exactly the inspiration. French regiment refuses to um, attack a position. Um, you know, there is a demand from... Um, higher command that examples are made. So first of all, the other thing is that there is a moment where the general demands that the yes, troops the be shelled in their own trenches. Yes, be shelled by their own artillery, which is... Which, which, which is refused without a written order, which is yes. di- which you see yeah, directly. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. So I think in the French case, they ended up convicting about 20... They ended 20, up with 24, 20, yeah. about 24 people, I think, got convicted. They then commuted lots of the sentences. They ended up executing well, four of them. Yeah. And then a couple of hours after the execution, the sentences were commuted to hard labor. But it's, you know, it's a specific case. So to First World War in general, 
you know, the, uh, in not the American army or the Australian army, actually, but, but the British army, the French army, the German army, all shoot people for cowardice. Yes. Uh, uh, 300, and, uh, 306 British soldiers. Yeah. And they're all shot. And, you know, nowadays we know lots of it was shell shock, all of this. You know, lots yeah. of pardons have been granted. But it was it was a thing that was happening in the First World War. What is interesting and different about this case, um, which is in the book, which is what the film is about, is... It's about specifically almost randomly selecting people to make an mm. example. It's not that someone has deserted in the face of the enemy. Yes. It's that the unit as a whole has failed. So you're almost going back to this, you know, um, ancient Roman idea of decimating a yes. um, a unit, you know, selecting one in ten to make an example of. And that's I think that's why it's particularly it's a particularly shocking case of this. Yes, yes. I mean, so there you're right. So 306 British soldiers were pardoned in 2006 um, after a necessarily very long campaign. When, and previous governments had, you know, this wasn't that this had suddenly come up. Yeah. Previous governments had just sort of stuck with the Ministry of Defence line, which was we can't go around pardoning people after we've shot them. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the thing, things you have to have to disband the whole regiment sort of yeah. thing. And in there, there are, yes, stories of shell shock. There are, there's a man who'd used his rifle to block a trench who is then shot for having given up his weapon. Mm. You know, it's just awful stuff. Yeah. The French, you know how many people the French shot? A lot more. Twice as many, 600, yeah. 600 yeah. more. And they have a problem that they destroyed or lost a lot of the files. So one of their issues is we can't just pardon everyone we shot because some of the people we shot were murderers yeah. and rapists and yeah, spies yeah. and yeah. things, and actually we're reasonably content yeah. with the justice system of yeah. 1915 to have shot them. But, yeah. yeah, it's a this is... Yeah, I mean, this was just what everyone was doing. I mean, it's interesting when, when we were talking about Patton and the famous soldier slapping incident. Yeah. Of course, Patton starts his career in World War One, so oh, that yeah, which, yeah. slightly explains yeah. where he's... Where he's coming from, yeah. slapping a soldier for shell shock is is mercy. Yes, I yes. guess. That's a, yes, much, not the view of anyone else, though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the after action report. So. I mean, there are so many great scenes in this film, and all the scenes in this film are beautiful. Let's just let's put it. Let's just... Beautifully lit, beautiful sound, beautifully shot. What I love about the opening scene is so much detail, so much, and it's, it uses this sort of use of focus so mm. that the whole time that they're talking, you can see all the paintings behind them and all the little yeah. twiddly bits of you're in a French, you're in a really nice French chateau. Well, the yeah. one doesn't look so bad, does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is this. A notion in Britain at the moment that the sort of the lions led by donkeys thing is all Blackadder's fault. Actually, you can see quite a lot of the yeah. black the Blackadder view of World War One in this film. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so yeah, lions led by donkeys. You know, it's, I mean, it's an Alan Clark line. Um, it's an Alan Clark line from Alan Clark's um, first history book, which he made up. <laughs> I mean, he he actually made it up. This is Alan Clark. This is this is Alan Clark. Yeah, Alan Clark, the Tory MP, yeah. diarist. No, no. So he, he attributes the quote to one of the German generals, I think Ludendorff. But you know, eventually, press admits he made it up. So this very very famous quote yeah. is an invention to sell books of Alan Clark's in I think the early sixties, late fifties. But you know, but it, it encapsulates this idea that yes, you know, generals are like in Blackadder, you know, sitting around in quite nice French chateaus and asking their men to do the same thing again and again and again, and it's not working. And yeah, there has been quite a big pushback against that 
in the um, historiography of the last 20, 30 years that actually there was an awful lot of tactical innovation in trench warfare. It didn't, it, they didn't keep doing the same thing. And, you know, by the end, you've got much more um, sophisticated use of artillery tactics. You've got tanks, you've got fire and movement tactics. And, you know, it, it, it's not just everyone stands up and walks slowly across no man's land yeah. towards the enemy. Though there was a certain amount of that. Oh, at, yeah, particularly very, at yeah. the start, yeah. Yes. yeah. Basically, combat tactics haven't caught up with the fact that yeah. the right, the, the existence of the high-powered rifle. Yeah, 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 and and, and the machine gun, and it's and it's and it's and it's also. I mean, it's just you. Know, I mean, the First World War is different to anything that's happened. But you know, the Franco-Prussian War in the eighteen in eighteen seventy, you know, only forty years before the big the big war between France and uh, Germany. You know, the conventional period of that war is over. In a few months, you know, the, the big wars of the 19th century in Europe have tended to last weeks or months. Everyone thinks it's going to be the same. And then suddenly you find yourself in a position when you've got all of these industrialized countries dug in against each other. You've got trench lines which stretch from the sea to the Swiss border. And when you've got a constant trench line which goes from one end to the other, you can't do what generals want to do, which is try and get around your opponent's mm. sides, their flanks. So you're sort of stuck. Uh, and the... Yeah, and you end up in this horrible war of attrition which lasts for years. So we we get all of that. We we get this sense of of tremendous luxury, mm. and then we go to the trenches. Yeah, but in that opening scene, there's also this. And again, this is why I, I make the case for the office drama. The, the the sort of the dynamics of the general saying, "Well, of it, you know, I may, my men are far too important to me. I could never risk their life." Well, yeah. there's promotion in it for you. Ah, well, <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah. put it like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you just see, you know, you're allowed about thirty seconds of thinking. Oh, well, this man doesn't seem so bad. He seems a good, good commander. He's saying the right yeah. things before it. Oh, it's, I just think it's very well done. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kubrick yeah, did his know. thing, yeah, and you know, and sets up. Yeah, you're right. So there's, there's an element of bureaucratic politics which runs throughout yes. the film, and sort of mid to senior managers manoeuvring for position, damn the consequences for anyone else. And by the time he's got to the trenches and to Kirk Douglas, yeah. we know what kind of man he is, yeah. and you know, and we get Kirk Douglas shirt off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, we know what we pretty clear what kind of man yeah. Colonel Dax is. Yeah. He's a man's man. Mm. Um, but he's a man's man. Well, he's Kirk Douglas, for God's well, yeah, sake. No, I mean, no, you no, don't no, get but, much but, more man's man <laughs> in the 1950s context. But, but as it will turn out, you know, yeah. he's, not just, he's not just a beefcake. Yeah, he's, he's, also, also he's also France's leading yeah. lawyer. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, let's talk about the, the, the combat scenes. The, the recon mission. Very, very, yeah. Brilliant and effective and uh, tense and confusing at the same yes, time. Yeah, which I think and, is the, and you, the, you yeah. can un- and you don't and and they don't bother to explain. You know, yeah. you find the guy blown up and it's like, oh right, okay, yeah. it doesn't patronise you. Yeah. The attack, tremendously well done. It's just that long sort of sideways tracking yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, you you yeah. see them going forward and it. It doesn't feel completely stupid that they're going forward. If you see no, what I mean, no, you feel no, like they no. might make it. No, but this this is the, this really is the Kubrick gift. That if you, I mean, if you look at Full Metal Jacket, mm. you know, it's essentially two movies built together. But you know, the first half is just you know a study in barracks life and indoctrination. Yeah. But then the second half has some tremendous sort of action, gritty combat scenes, and he's, he's done the same here, where you know the the courtroom scenes and the battle scenes both work incredibly well in their own ways and it's quite weird to find them in the same film almost meanwhile the sort of the back in the trench the the order to shell his own men mm. 
Kirk Douglas's fury at discovering that somebody else hasn't gone forward. I mean, the, yeah. the other thing that this film does do is it makes a point that the general isn't completely wrong. There are men yeah. who are refusing to go forward. Yes. And yes. I mean, yeah. You're in an army and your job is you, yeah. you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't have soldiers refusing to go over the front just because they might get shot. That's, yeah. yeah. But you sort of, it does offer that justification. And then suddenly, you know, we're, we're back we're back, and we're having lunch again yeah. in this lovely chateau. Yeah. And there's this clever bit of negotiation because he gets them down from, you know, we should sort of shoot 40-odd men to, yeah. well, okay, okay, we'll, we'll settle for three. Yeah. And there's a lot of, well, I don't think we want officers to get involved in this. You know, yes. There's, there's, yes. There's, right, the trial. Because you say this is a courtroom drama, this, but this isn't A Few Good Men. No, 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 no. No, it's it's a very different because I mean for a start you know you know the plot relies on this um, this not being a trial I mean yeah. this being sort of you know an absolute travesty of um, procedure you know no time to read the charges all of this sort of stuff um, but you know it's all in that sort of fantastic plush interior what what I love about it is just the feel of those scenes is so far removed from the trench bits but the men. The men yes. belong in the trench, and you can yes. see just they're just dazzled. Fundamentally, they don't understand what's happening to them. Yes, yes. Um, and they're completely out of place. And hang on, is this, is, this, is, this, is this how everybody else's war is looking? Yes, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> because Kubrick is at this stage a very young director yeah. and working with some very experienced actors, including the chap who's playing the French general, mm-hmm. who I think after about six or seven takes or 16 or 17 takes says well i think i think we've got it there mm-hmm. and you know and and kubrick uh is as was his way saying well i, th- I think we could do one more yeah and uh and and uh, this this actor blows up and uh and says i you know i uh, i know what i'm doing and we've got it you've got it and yeah. kubrick just sits and waits and when, when he when when he sort of vented all of this just right well i think one more and, <laughs> <laughs> Not a people person in some ways. Not a people person, no. (laughs) How do you feel about the jail scene? See, I can see your face. (laughs) Go on, go on. Yeah, well, I know that's how I kind of feel about it as well. For me, this is the court scenes. This is the action scenes. Yeah. yeah, Well, the march to the execution. Yes. Which goes on, again, use of sound, that goes on uncomfortably long. Yes. I mean, I, I, my wife was in the room for that bit, yeah. and after a bit of drumming and marching and drumming and marching, yeah. she said, how, how long is this going on? <laughs> I, like, yes, this is, you know, this is sort of longer than you think. Yes. I suppose if they were the last minute of your life, you'd yeah. want it to go on. But yeah. um, So you get the, you get the execution, March yeah. 8th. All of the execution is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's the lovely, like there's a there's sort of, we've had this, the evening scenes with Colonel Dax with Kirk Douglas where he goes and tries to sort of bargain for his men's yeah. lives and then essentially realising he's failed, he puts the weak, cowardly lieutenant on the firing squad. That's, I mean, I love that scene. Yes, yes. I couldn't even tell you why it's so great. It's just sort of just a moment of, you think, oh, well, finally we've got a moment of justice in this. Somebody, yeah. somebody is going to have to deal with the consequences yes. of his own actions. yes. And, and you're all the way back to the recommission at the beginning, you know, yes. it's taken. You know, there, there's a lot that happens in between these moments. And yeah. So, yeah. And then we get two final scenes. One is the final scene where the general realizes he's being hung out to dry by his superior, which is quite emotionally yes. satisfying. Yes. But 
the really amazing final scene and the one that I, I before we rewatched this, I probably hadn't seen it for 20 years before we rewatched it, but I could have told you about the final scene. Yeah. Um, which is the the men in the, what is it, a hostelry bar yeah. Yeah, of some sort, yeah. and um, the German captain Yeah, yeah, singer. singing, yes, yes. Which, where you get, the you get these men are monsters. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, and they're they're all, and you get their they're sort of their eyes looking at this this yeah. German woman, and you think, nah, this isn't going to go very well, yeah. You know, and then she starts singing, and they recognise the song, and they start singing, and yeah. suddenly they are they're back from being monsters, uh, husbands and fathers and brothers, yes. and oh, yeah, no, it's, it, yeah. Again, it's the sound, it's the use of sound throughout the film is what really really makes it. It's one of those what, yeah, I mean, I think is which I think is the. So one of the defining Kubrick characteristics, the sound, the sound is just perfect. And she is, I think, the only German that we see in this film. Because I don't think we ever see, I don't think we see the people who are shooting at the... No, I don't think we do. Uh, the, I mean, I might, maybe there's a shot of a guy with a machine gun, but I don't... Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not I, sure I, there I, is. I'm not sure there is. You're quite uh, right. This is, I mean, again, this is a Kubrick thing yeah. where really the people we're at war with are ourselves. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a platoon thing as well. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, the, the the French can provide both the goodies and the baddies, yes. as it yes. turns out. That's, um, so she is also, I think, the one woman in the film. Yes, and didn't she uh, marry? Yes. yes, and Kubrick at this point is is, is um, going through, I don't know if he's actually getting divorced at this point, but he's certainly getting divorced fairly shortly after yeah. this point. Um, and he marries her. I'm just trying to find her name. Is it Christiane Kubrick? Um, but she was uh, credited in this as Suzanne Christian. Yeah, I mean... There's a Roger Ebert anecdote about going to see her after Kubrick had died and her taking him to to see the grave um, and him standing there and wanting to say to her how good she'd been in this scene and just thinking, <laughs> and just thinking no, other people have said it. <laughs> so, you know, it would be facile. But, I mean, she is, yeah. she is really good in she this. She is. She, she is. She is. Sort of, uh, I don't think that she had much else of a film career, to be honest. Um, oh, she, yeah, no. Eyes wide shut, she's woman sitting. No, there's... Um... It doesn't sound like a big yeah. role, does it? It's been a long time since I've seen that film. But... No idea what the movie Body Count is. Haven't been able to find that. Um... Well, free so, that matter. I yes, mean, yeah. <laughs> um... The Kula King Award for the most gratuitous American character. Now, there are obviously no American characters in this, except that they've just done the French army in American accents. Yes. What is your feeling about that? See, I think that's fine. I really do. So I think, um, how else are we going to do this? Okay, you could I, Okay, you could go. You could do this film in French with subtitles, mm-hmm. um, which would be one option. Uh, you can't have make... Kirk Douglas, I think, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, so it, it, you know, it limits your, it limits who you can cast. Or you do it in English, and if you're doing it in English, then I think, you know, getting everyone... You know, if this film had been done with everyone adopting an allo allo style <laughs> French accent, you know, stick them here, I don't think it would have worked. These men are innocent! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. So, yeah, so I, I think it's perfectly fine to do a, you know... Yeah. You know, in the same way that it, I'm comfortable with Gladiator not being in Latin. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it runs... Critics, some critics couldn't get their heads around it. And I do think it's... There is something odd because I think the first time I saw it, I, you, I yeah. didn't immediately realize that they were the French army yeah. and, you know, and they've got American accents. So you sort of assume that they're Americans. Mm. And then 
And it is, there is something odd about seeing Kirk Douglas in what is recognizably not an American uniform. Yes, yes. Um, I agree with you. The, the, the other way to do this, the other trope, and I can't remember which film it's in. I was trying to think the other day, is people start off speaking German and then you sort of, you have a, you, oh, the, the camera moves in on something and moves out. And now they're all speaking English. Yeah. Again, I, um, I, I just think it's, no, it's fine. It's it's yeah. it's fine to have you know to cast Americans in a film about the French. What I think is a more interesting decision is obviously it's because he liked the book, um, you know, from his teenage years. But why he was so interested in making a film about the French army in the First World War? Um, in that you know, there's this sort of streak of sort of anti-war, anti-militarism at least in mm. Kubrick's filmmaking. But it, certainly well, by the end of his career, it's very targeted at yeah. You know, the American military. I think it's interesting him and war because he's yeah. he is obviously you would say an anti-war filmmaker, but on the other hand, he does make a lot of films about war, and they are quite good. Yes, and the bits that like the trend, like the the, the, the attack yeah. in this, they are directed by somebody who can, in a sense, feel. You can feel why a war movie will be why why you know why people yes. enjoy war movies yes. and enjoy watching it and so on. There, there, there. It's not. He's not somebody who hates war in a kind of oh, I just can't see the appeal of it kind of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I think he understands the visceral nature of it. The the because, men I mean, being that's the tested. Interesting, yeah, because it, it's in this film. It's in his other films as well. That you're right. There's two elements to it. There's the sort of the human element of oh, isn't this terrible and you know using using the military as an institution which forces people mm. into certain paths which they're not all suited to you know very common in this film very common in other films. but yeah there's also the you know here's an excuse to make a really well shot action sequence yeah um, which is not glorifying war but is entertaining i, I don't know how to, yeah. it, it stirs something in you yeah. and i mean the, the full metal jacket sort of closing yeah yeah um long long sort yes. of uh, scenes are amazing and yeah. really good. And again, you know, I mean, the sort of they work on a they work they 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 work on the surface level as as well as the sort yes. of the subtextual. You know, yeah. I mean, in terms of the best death, I think it's it's a three way tie. Yes, it is. Yeah, less debate on this one than any other yeah. film we've done. <laughs> um, in terms of the best meme, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I I bet I could find a. A Kirk Douglas walking to work. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Danny, you can try and check. You could use that on a Monday morning. <laughs> so the stiffest upper lip. One of the one of the three men, one of the three men has a stiff upper lip. Yes. One of them is unconscious. Yeah. Um, uh, one of them, his the actor's name is uh, Timothy Carey. Mm-hmm. Is um, so I think it's I think it's Turkle. Like um, one of the three actors. One goes on to be a Kubrick standby. He's yeah. in. You, you see him. He's the barman in uh, The Shining and that kind of oh, thing. Okay. And Timothy Carey, who's quite a well-known actor, who had been, I think, pretty sure he's in The Killing, um, was such a nightmare on the set. Yeah. And including at one point faking his own kidnapping <laughs> in the course of making this film. Um, well, to get out of a day's shooting, or said, no, no, no. He just for publicity. He's ah. quite, an, he's quite an odd man. Yes, yes. Um, and he's the one who's wailing all yeah. the way to the firing post. Yeah. And the moment that they had shot his final, the final scene for which they needed him in close yeah. up, Kubrick fires. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we can do the rest. We can do the rest. We can do the rest without you. We'll shoot it. We'll shoot it from behind. No, just get off. Go. On the other hand, he is. 
that scene he's where really, he's really where good. he's yeah. where he's moaning and crying yeah. and so on again it just goes on too long and you really yeah. like him to stomp and man up yeah. you know but why should he yeah, exactly yes um there are obviously no nasty nazis um there are some foul frenchmen and some awful yeah. officers yeah which of the two generals is actually worse oh no okay i i i think actually the more senior general is actually the worst Yes. Um, you know, because he sort of reveals himself when he thinks that, you know, when, when the other one gets his sort of comeuppance, you know, the artillery orders to fire yeah. men, all of this, and he thinks, he presumes this was just manoeuvring to get yes. the job. Yeah. He sort of reveals himself as, you know, an awful character. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a close run thing. Yeah. But I think, yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think that. Because in a sense, I think if you think this is office politics, that yeah. this stuff does come from the top. Yes. And the junior general is. He's really doing what what his boss wants. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I that's, think that's exactly um, it. Dan dog prize for the most problematic moment. I mean, I don't think anything's problematic. That's that's Rob's endorsement there. I Listeners think, are uh, making think, an example yeah. of shooting. <laughs> I do think. I, I mean, I don't, and I don't think this is problematic. Mm-hmm. But the final scene does an amazing job of showing that that these men could be complete monsters. Yes. That scene could so easily go another way. Yeah, and the tension is there when you're watching it. Yeah, but I think that's yeah. deliberate. I think that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's who he wants completely. you to know that this is what this is what yeah, these yeah. you know these men have been. I mean, that's again the, the Full Metal Jacket thing. You to make yeah. these men into killers, you have to yeah. dehumanize them. Yeah. In terms of uh, loose lips, I, I mean, I like the moment where the the again it's the, it's the only good bit I think in the jail scene is when one of the men is is complaining that the that cockroach is going to live longer than me yeah. and the other one kills it yeah. <laughs> now you've got the edge on it that's, um, that's... I, I like I mean, some of the court speeches are very good yes you know, you know, yeah. shamey member of the human race all of this sort of stuff yes. I mean it's you know and um, I liked well I like the general line up line after the execution this one had a sort of splendor to it don't you think <laughs> the men died wonderfully <laughs> there are sadly no completely implausible moments in this film. No, no. no. I, I, you know, I reasonably. I mean, obviously, you know, inspired by the novel, inspired by the events, but uh, it's all a plausible, yeah, it's a all, plausible scenario. It's all, it's all there. Um, judgment at Nuremberg. Is any of this a war crime? None of this is a. I mean, do, were war crimes actually even a thing in 1915? Yeah, you've got a you've Geneva Convention. You've got the oh, yeah, right. Convention okay. on War. Yeah. Um, so there is a there is. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you get use of poison gas and all of that. So there's not a great deal of respect for uh, yes. <laughs> um, for those those rules. But um, but no, I mean, internal. You know, it's a weird thing, isn't it? I think I think you can sort of do whatever you want to your own men. Um, you know, if you if you were to, if you were to do this to prisoners of right, war, you can't do this to the Germans. Yeah, you can't be no. like you know we're going to pick randomly three of you and shoot you. No, that that's is definitely distinct war crime. But you know, right? Yeah, if you want to shoot three of your own guys, you can knock yourself out. I mean, there's no. So I mean, sometimes, Duncan, I worry that war doesn't make much sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, not a lot of people know. This. Do you know about the ending that Kubrick wanted? No. No. <laughs> so Kirk Douglas yeah. is essentially the champion of this film. Yeah. Once he's on board, it, it it's getting made. There's go through various scripts. They're f- shooting out in Germany. He gets out to Germany. I don't know quite why they're shooting out in Germany with a bunch of American actors, but they are. Maybe they, I think the I think they wanted the they wanted the extras apparently. Right. Um, yes. Lots of like you know um, find a lot of German extras who sort of yeah. know what they're doing. Uh, oh, that's yes. drill. Yeah. Relatively that's, cheap. Um, but yeah. 
Whereas if you'd filmed in France, you'd have had anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll come to France. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kirk gets out there and he sent the he gets the new script, and Kubrick has written a happy ending in. How's he done this? I think it's that at the last minute at the uh, at the firing post, the general, the the, the senior general, yeah. rocks up and says, "No, no." I mean, so no, that would be if you'd had that really long drawn out scene. Then <laughs> ah, fooled you. I mean, <laughs> Yes, this would have been terrible. And this is the point that Kirk Douglas makes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and and it's quite an, the, the account of the conversation is essentially that Kubrick said, "Well, I worry that this will, you know, the people won't like this ending." And yeah. Kirk Douglas said, "You have to. This is the film. This yeah, is yeah. why I've come. I've come to make this film." Yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah. and Kubrick says, "But." James Cameron Kubrick. making Titanic, saying, "Well, what if what if it doesn't sink?" <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> uh, but Kubrick's very specific anxiety is essentially he's a very young director yeah. at the start of his career. What if they don't let me make any more films? Yeah, yeah. And actually, and that, and you can understand that. Uh, but Kirk Douglas says, says, "I'm not going to let you make this film." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the original ending is restored. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, you mentioned uh, not filming in France. You also couldn't see this film in France, really, for decades. Really? Yeah. Um, not a popular film with the French military. It also apparently wasn't shown on American um, bases. Uh, no, so so you uh, certainly until the seventies you couldn't see it in France because it, really it was it's yeah. too too sensitive and perceived as being yeah. anti-French. I can partially see where that attitude comes from. In that here you've got a film which is entirely about the French military being this sort of bureaucratic, monstrous horror show yeah. filled with American actors speaking in American accents. With an and American I, director and yeah. American money. And yeah. I, I can yeah. see why you, you, you might be like, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yes, let us make cultural appropriation, I think we call yes, it now. Yes, but, yes. Um, actually, that's the Dan Buster's Dog Award. <laughs> that's a, take it all back. Dan Buster's Dog Award is his cultural <laughs> appropriation of, of French, French yeah. military murders. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Duncan, is this the operation that changed the course of World War Two? <laughs> no, no, it's not. But I bet is it is. Yeah, within the World War One context, I mean, you have got the, the the corporals of affairs, which is obviously not change the course of the war, but you do get, you know, major. You know, we, we don't tend to think about much sort of the sort of anglophone uh, historiography, but you get some massive French military mutinies. Um, right. Around 1916, 17, yeah. like really, really quite seriously, sort of Western Front in peril. But, you know, after, um, you know, Verdun is this just absolutely horrific bloodbath, sort of like the Somme on speed for the French army. And towards the end of it, you get whole regiments saying, we're not having any more of it. Um, very threatening. So, yeah, it's, it's a. The, the fact the French army found itself taking these really quite extreme measures mm. makes slightly more sense in the context. I mean, there is a thing that over the course of the 20th century, governments worked out how to turn men into killers. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the statistic I always struck by is, is what proportion of American soldiers fired their weapons during World War Two. It, 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 it's, it's very low, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's why that's actually why you get the Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Um, first half is yeah. is that by the, the after that they think right well we need to train men who will pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so and so we need to turn them into monsters. Yeah. Um, and yes, obviously none of that has been figured out in World yeah. War One. Yeah. In this war, that in lots of ways 
somehow seems to be more monstrous than yeah. all of them because it there's no there's it, because there's no maneuver because there's no yeah, the, yeah. um worth dying for it's a very good film it's, it's a very, very i'm really pleased i saw it. it's a very good film i will watch it again not soon the acting is good the cinematography is fantastic and just a great example of just very good storytelling let me give you kirk douglas's view on this this is him speaking in 1969 he's made 50 pictures at this point and he's talking about and he's sort of talking about his career yeah. and he's talking about um uh, paths of glory there's a picture that will always be good Years from now. I don't have to wait 50 years to know that. I know it now. Certain pictures have a universality of theme. That's Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Next week, we're heading to the jungle with Merrill's Marauders. Marauders.